Amen. You guys are so quiet. That is the last time you're going to hear that bumper. If you've been around for a while, we've been in a series called Passionate. And uh, on your seats are the new series that starts next week called Unwrapped. We'll be looking uh, over the next few weeks. This invite, if you're here in person, isn't for you because you're here. This invite is for you to invite a neighbor, a coworker, friend, family member uh, to come and to be a part of the new series we're starting next week. As we get into today and as we look at what we're talking about, you know, we are coming off Thanksgiving. And how many of you have a lot to be thankful for this year? Amen. You know, put, put a hand up or something online if you're with us. I mean, there is so much to be thankful for. And uh, it really is incredible to be able to step back, whatever that looks like, whether you've had a good year or a hard year, and to really still give thanks for some of the things that God has done and, and has allowed into your life because he's faithful and he is good through it all. Now, I'm also giving thanks because uh, Michigan football showed up yesterday. <laughs> And uh, that's all you'll get out of me today with that, uh, but, but it was priceless, and uh, that is actually the message today, is this idea of priceless. Can you say that with me? Priceless. And uh, as we look at what priceless means, some of you may immediately think of a campaign that MasterCard has been running since 1997. It's one of the longest running campaigns. It's this idea of, here are things you could buy, and yet to use MasterCard is... Priceless. And as we look at today, what we're looking at is the fact that Jesus' love, who he is, what he's done for us, that there was a price on you and I. That price is the death and resurrection of Jesus himself. And his love is priceless. So we unpack what that means. My prayer and my hope is it's going to have greater meaning for us. And God is moving and working in our in our church, I mean, we have a lamp on for a reason, because in this past week, two more people gave their life to Christ, and uh, I wanted to find out, you know, our, our food pantry actually is where two people this past week gave their life to Christ, and uh, praise God for them and their ministry. Uh, 34 boxes of food also were supplied this last week for families in need at Thanksgiving, and uh, that is just awesome to be a part of, isn't it? I mean, to know that God is working and moving even when sometimes we are not in town or we're at home doing our thing, there are people serving and giving and sharing his love here at Pathway. As we get into this today, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Isn't that good? That, that actually what Jesus has done for us is so supposed to impact our lives that it's not just something we believe in, but it's literally how we view life, that Christianity itself is so priceless that it changes how we view everything around us. And as we've been in the Song of Solomon, the study over eight chapters, today you can turn to chapter eight, we're learning that through this story of a king and a princess that there's something within their relationship in marriage that also is teaching us about who Christ is and this priceless love, how we can see everything else through Jesus. So we do that. I, my wife, Cindy, has been kind of going down memory lane and 
packing some boxes and, and doing uh, some different things. And she came across this picture of our daughter, Elle. Uh, Elle is actually uh, 10 years old today. She's actually, oh uh, yeah, just take a minute with that. Isn't that precious? I mean, that's priceless, right? Uh, so this is Elle when she was two. Today, she's 10. And right now, in this very moment, she's leading worship with the kids' worship team in our kids' ministry. So I'm, I'm a really proud dad. I'm giving thanks for what God is doing in her life. But I thought this picture was so fitting that here she is, and she's found a picture of mom and dad and their wedding day, which was almost 21 years ago, and she is being impacted by it. And you just look at that and you go like, yes, this is a picture of what God's love is meant to be. This is what we're supposed to take and glean from what is in Song of Solomon 8 is this vision of, of here's what a couple, here's, here's who Jesus wants to be in our relationships. So whether you're single, dating, married, or waiting, whatever that may look like, there is something for us today. Amen? Let's go to chapter 8 of Song of Solomon, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Oh, that you were like a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breasts. Now, I forgot to mention, this series is PG-13, because if I just read the text, it creates conversations for parents, and parents, you need to have these conversations, because if you're not, the world is, and we would rather see what the Bible teaches, amen? goes on, if I found you outside, I would kiss you, and none would despise me. I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother, she who used to teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, the joy the juice of my pomegranate. His left hand, she says, is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Who is it that is coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree, she says, I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you, and there she who bore you was in labor." And you're sitting there going, what in the world is he going to say after that? <laughs> right? If you're taking notes, <laughs> priceless is the passion that we see here. This is a passion formed by Christ and is meant to not be compromised by the fake. She is describing a passion and a love that has awakened for her beloved. It's a passion that has led their relationship into a place here in chapter 8 that is a really healthy and good place. It's a passion, and we, we need to understand that the word passion actually means the willingness not just to be emotionally excited about something, but, but the root word of passion is, is the Latin word passio, which actually means to suffer. Maybe you've heard about Passion Week and, and, and Christ's suffering for us. You see, to really be passionate about somebody and about Christ that should form us in a way that says no matter what we're going to go, we go through in life, we're not going to compromise. We're going to hold on to each other and we're going to hold on to him and we're not going to allow the fake to enter in. But the fake often enters in. Our world is full of a fake love, a love that is not priceless and is not passionate and is easily compromised. I want to show you a quick clip that's just a husband showing and demonstrating what I believe fake love could actually look like, and it may hit a little bit at home for some of us. Let's go ahead and play. Hey, babe. Yeah. You know, you told me the other day that you are 
sick of me making you watch football with me all the time and everything, I got a surprise for you. I am putting Wednesday Night Football down tonight. I'm not going to watch one bit of it. We're going to go on a date. Yes, because you're more important to me. I felt so convicted today after you said that, that I decided I'm not watching Wednesday Night Football. I'm taking my wife out to dinner and a movie. Like now? Like now. Yeah. You excited? Yeah, yeah. You almost feel bad for her, don't you? I mean, some of you, actually, it may be your moment of going, wait, there's no Wednesday night football? There's not. There's typically not Wednesday night football, okay? And uh, this is this fake love that he's demonstrating. And I want you to think about this because we live in a world that is often not present in the real but is affected by the fake. I mean, think about the world around us. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have uh, Snapchat, TikTok, all these social media channels that are offering us filtered and fake views of life and love. In addition to that, you know, we have uh, what comes with that, the, the instant messaging, the direct messaging. We have gaming. Do you know that there's actually an epidemic right now of relationships that are being affected because of online gaming, that online gaming actually can compromise the relationship because of the amount of time spent in a fake virtual meta world versus the real world, and also how that can open up channels and, and messaging and relationships with other people who we don't even know that, that are there and can compromise a relationship. You might say, well, I'm not playing those games. Yeah, but, but are you paying attention to pictures or videos online that you shouldn't. Whether it's hard pornography or soft, pornography is a compromise, it's fake. Maybe for you it's not that, it's, it's romance novels. It's reality shows. Bachelor, bachelorette, anybody? Woo, pastor. I, I mean, here's the deal. Like, we can either put this stuff out into the light and realize how it affects us, that it's fake, that it's a compromise, that these are things that can affect how we love those around us and even how we are in step and in tune with Jesus. Or we can pretend and keep putting our head in the sand and acting like these things aren't happening. You see, all of those fake things are meant in some ways to fill a void and a hole in us, to, to somehow heal us of our brokenness. And that wholeness that we're meant to have and to share in relationship only comes through Jesus. Dr. Les Parrott, an author and psychologist, Christian psychologist, says this. He says, if you try to find intimacy with another person before achieving a sense of wholeness on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. It's a scary place to be where you're relying on that relationship or some other fake thing to try to fill and make you whole, when in fact Jesus is meant to be that person. Back to the text in verse uh, 4, it says, And his right hand embraces me. That word embrace in the Hebrew means to hold someone or someone tightly in your arms, usually with fondness. She's describing that there's this real relationship that she has and, and she's holding it tight and it's meant to be close and personal between this king and princess, this husband and this wife. 
It's also, as we've been talking about, an allegory about our relationship with Jesus. It's an incredible scripture in Ecclesiastes 4.12 that says this. This says, and though a man may prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold, say threefold, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, that threefold cord, I believe, is, is God and you and your, your spouse woven together, tightened as a cord in a way that you're holding on to him, holding on to each other, and that nothing is compromising that. When Cindy and I were dating, uh, there was a period of time where it was really more of like a courtship, like is there a purpose behind this? Are we going to potentially get married? Uh, neither of us wanted to waste time, you might imagine. I, I seem like a fairly efficient guy, right? And, uh, you know, so we, uh, we didn't want to waste time, and yet we both wanted to know it was the Lord as well. And so we were praying through, God, give us, give us a sign. And in particular in my life at the time, being surrendered to Jesus, I'm holding tight to him, and, and I'm praying, God, give me a verse, give me something that I can hold on to that will let me know that she's that person. He actually gave me this verse, Ecclesiastes 4.12. Now, I had never read the verse. I had never, uh, if I had read it, it hence stuck. Do you know the difference? There's times when the Holy Spirit highlights something and it sticks. So it stuck this time. And, and, and I, didn't, I didn't want to, to tell her what it is because I, I didn't know, like, well, would she make something up, right? Like, I didn't know her that well. I mean, you're like, how could you say that about your wife? I just did. Like, I, did, I just didn't know. So I, I'm like, Lord, if this is the verse that is to let me know that she's it, I pray that you'll reveal it to her as well. But what I didn't know is Cindy, being fully surrendered to Christ about six months prior to meeting me, had decided that growing up in a home where she didn't see what, what godly marriage looked like, that, that she would actually go to a marriage conference. And at that marriage conference in a church... They handed out to all of these married folks and one single little lady named Cindy, they handed out not just the booklet and and the resources, but a verse on a card with a cord of three strands. She had held on to it, not knowing why, and she had put it in a drawer in her, it was the junk drawer. Everybody have a junk drawer? Okay. Some of you have like four, right? (laughs) So, so it was in her junk drawer. And so uh, there came this moment where we're like, I was like, Cindy, God gave me a verse. And she said, well, what is it? And I was like, I don't want to tell you until he reveals it to you. And she gets up and goes, I think I know what it might be. She goes and brings that card with Ecclesiastes 4.12. And both of us are in tears of joy, just realizing like God was confirming what he was bringing together. I share that story to let you know that we are, almost 21 years later, a living proof. That rope has frayed at times. That rope has pulled tight. It's been strained. There have been things in the world and even in our own lives that have tempted us to cut it. Anybody? And yet it is held tight by God's grace. Because when he holds tight to us and we hold tight to him and each other, we will prevail. We will win at love. 
And it is priceless what he can do. I also share that for those of you that are waiting and wondering, does God have somebody for you? Don't do it the world's way. Rely on him. Trust him. Let him speak into it and believe that he can even supernaturally show each of you what his will is. Because that's ultimately what we want, right? Not our will, but his will. So let's read on here in verse 6 and 7 as we look at this idea of priceless. She says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. The man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. If you're taking notes here, this is priceless. It's a committed love that lasts because Jesus' love is the seal and the guarantee. And that is really, really good news. She's saying, you have sealed me with your love. A love that is going to last, that's going to prevail. That's going to weather every storm and everything that may come against it. And that love, again, Jesus and who he is. How he wants to show up in our lives. He is the one that says, I love you enough that I've laid down my life. I've paid the ultimate price for you. You're priceless. And I want to seal you and guarantee you with my love and with my Holy Spirit inside of you. That love then is shared in a husband and a wife's relationship that's centered on Christ. It's a love that allows each other to experience a trust and a peace that you don't experience if you're wondering what's really going on. Can I really trust them? Is this like what the world has to offer? No, this, this is a love where you find security and safety in Jesus' arms and in each other's arms. Can I get an amen? amen. It's priceless and it's available. Now, as I thought about verse 6 and 7, I want to I, I make sure we don't miss this, that it says that it's, it's a love that cannot be quenched. It's like fire. And, and, and I want you to think about that for a minute because we know that later in Scripture, it, it's very clear that Jesus spits us out of us, our mouth, out of his mouth, if we're lukewarm. So, so there's something that should be happening in our priceless love of God and in his love of us that should be stoking a fire within us that is continually burning, that is passionate, that is sealed and guaranteed and as a result of that I'm not working for my faith I'm working because of my faith I, I'm not trying to stoke the embers of a fire and act like I'm excited and passionate I'm just letting Jesus and his passion and his fire come out of me I mean come on church we live in a day and age where the church of Jesus Christ in America needs to wake up needs to awaken to who he is, to what he has. There is a dark world that is only getting more difficult. And if we're going to have this priceless love within us, we need to recognize that it is indeed priceless. That should get you excited. That should get you fired up. That should get you in a place where you're willing to say, nothing's going to quench this. And if you feel like, 
all of the world is coming against that love and against that passion, guess what? Get away from the world. Get closer to Jesus. Step back. Spend some time off of the news. <gasps> you mean I can turn off my TV and my social media and my news apps? Please. Everybody around you wants you to. Seriously, if you're spending five minutes a day in God's word and 30 minutes or 40 minutes in his word on a Sunday, do the math. Because if you're spending more time in the fake or in the news cycles, guess what's feeding your soul and quenching the fire that God has? We have to be willing to look at what it means to hold him close. The, the word there that is used is a Hebrew word, ahava. It's used there about this idea of the love and the seal. Ahava is, is present throughout all of the Old Testament. It's God's love that embraces and holds us close in every season and does not let us go. John Mark Comer, an author and pastor, says this about Ahava. He says, the point of the poetry is that Ahava, love, is strong. Feelings, no matter how vivid, in the long run are weak. They come and go. But Ahava has resolve, staying power. It has the word we all tend to avoid, commitment. Can you say that with me? <laughs> About five of you said it, right? <laughs> Over time, it builds up a head of steam and it breaks through every obstacle. It's a love of the heart and a love of the will. And it flows freely from Jesus who has sealed us and guarantees us. Romans 8 verse 35 through 39. Let me remind you about this love that seals and guarantees us. That's present to help us through every season. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor depth, or nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is Ahava. That is this love that is priceless, that holds us close, that is meant to not be quenched and will always prevail. So church, how are we doing? How are we doing in, in, in allowing Jesus' love to define us, to be how we see him and the world around us? Have you felt distant? Have you felt apart? Maybe even away from God? Here's the thing. He's there. We go through dry seasons. We go through dry spells. We go through periods of wilderness but it's in that place of desolation, if you will, that we develop a dependency. That we begin to see that in that space where it does, we don't feel it the way we thought we would, that Jesus shows up and says, you don't need to feel it emotionally, you need to just know I'm present. And if I'm present, 
then you are sealed, guaranteed, and you don't have anything to worry about. Walk with me, church. Walk with me. Walk with me in in a season of marriage that's hard. Walk with me in a season of singleness that's hard. Walk with me in a period of grieving as a widow. Walk with me. My love will not let you go. It will not fail you. This is who our God is. He's available and he's present and he's there. These last few verses, it says this. And it gets awkward, so I want to just put that out there to begin with. They say, we have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, say wall. We will build on her a battlement of silver. But if she is a door, say door. We will enclose her with boards of cedar. Her response, I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Belhaman. He let out the vineyard to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, she says, my very own is before me. You, O Solomon, may have the thousand and the keepers of the fruit two hundred. He responds, O you who dwell in the gardens with companions listening for your voice, let me hear it. And she says to close Song of Solomon, make haste my beloved and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountain of spices. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful, the relationship they have. And and yes, it's descriptive and in some ways uncomfortable and like I said, awkward. But let's look at what this means. This last bit here of priceless, there's a purity that is preserved by following the Spirit and honoring God with our bodies. There's a purity that is preserved. Maybe you noticed I had you say on purpose the wall and the gate, or a door is the way it was described in the ESV. This ultimately is a gift, and what is being described there is they're saying, hey, if she's not pure, they're talking about their younger sister, if she's not able to to stay away from temptation and, and sin and compromise, whether it's fake or real, whether it's in her mind with other things or whether it's in person, that we will provide a wall. Don't we need good, healthy, godly people around us that will protect us when we don't know how to protect ourselves. Come on, church. She had some good people around her that were saying, if she can't figure it out, we love her enough to help put a wall around here so she doesn't harm or hurt herself. But then she responds, as they're talking about the gate, obviously it's talking about that she wasn't open to others, letting others into her life, whether it was you know, through an emotional affair or in a physical affair, whatever that looked like, they were saying that we will build a wall if her gate is wide open to others. They wanted to protect her and care for her. But the beauty of what she says is, is no, I, I've, I've kept myself pure. And God is a God who, no matter what mistake we've made, no matter what compromise we've made, when we come back to him and ask for forgiveness, and we repent, guess what? He renews us. So you may not have been the wall, you may not have been who you wanted to be, but today, by God's grace, whether you're here in person or online, he's available to you to not just provide forgiveness, but to say, now you can do it my way. And there's a purity 
that is priceless is what's being described here. A purity of body and spirit that is meant to be a part of how we live. She says there in verse 10, Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. The Hebrew word peace there is shalom. It's a word that means wholeness. Nothing broken, nothing wrong. Everything as it ought to be. And that word there is actually a play on words because she says the peace is in the eyes of her beloved, Solomon, who's looking at her with eyes of peace. His name actually, Solomon, meant peace. You can imagine like that, that in that moment there's this convergence of when I see Jesus looking at me, he sees and brings peace to me and wholeness. He sees me and brings that purity and that peace. He imparts to me his spirit, which allows me to live for him. No matter what you're going through in your relationship with God or with a significant other, he is available if we'll get in step with his spirit. It really boils down to who's in control. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16 through 18, these are the last couple of verses I'll share today. It says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Say one. We become one spirit with the Lord. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. You see, there's a purity available when we let the Spirit lead. When we realize that we've been bought at a price, that he's deposited his Spirit in us. And that Spirit is meant to lead us forward in purity and Christ-likeness and holiness, to be more like him. So let me ask you the hard question, right? Who's in control? Who's really in control in your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with others? In uh, the booklet we've made available during this series, we've got a link here, pathwayvb.com slash lovebooklet. The last exercise is very strategic and important. Because nothing we've talked about is really possible unless we get in step with the Holy Spirit. Unless we give him control. If, if he's not in control of, of you and your relationship with him and with others, that means your flesh is in the way and there's compromise happening. Compromise is where hurt happens. It's where people often fall and fail. This exercise, uh, if you go to the next slide, talks about who's in control, self or the Holy Spirit. And I'd really encourage all of you to look at this this week, to really spend some time with the Lord and to say, who, who actually is calling the shots in my life? Is it me or is it the Holy Spirit? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide me and direct me and to have its way? God has so much more for us, so much more that he wants to do. That priceless love, as we allow him to lead, will be poured in 
and then will begin to overflow out of us to others. Next step questions to close today. Who's really in control of your life? I don't know about you, but that's not one most of us want to answer, is it? I just, I don't want to go past that too fast. Because you see, yes, Jesus offers you grace and mercy and love. He offers you life as it was meant to be. But that life is only fully lived out when we're surrendered and submitted to his will and to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, how is Jesus' priceless love shaping you and your relationships? Maybe as you think about your marriage, or maybe it's a relationship with extended family, or a relationship with your kids, you're realizing that his love wants to do a new thing, that it's available and able. So how is it shaping you? Thirdly, what step do you need to take this week in your singleness, dating, or marriage? Wherever you're at in life, what step do you need to take? Because church, I believe if we follow Jesus, we will be passionate about him and all of our love relationships. I believe we'll win at love, not because we're doing it the world's way, but because we're following him. And winning in every season is possible with Jesus when we hold him close, when we let him have his way. So I'm gonna pray over us and then we're gonna have an opportunity to respond. Kneeling benches and altars will be open. We have prayer partners that are willing to pray for you and over you. Maybe today you've realized that that you've been a little dry and God wants to, to pour something new in. Maybe for you, you've realized you need to give up control. Maybe for you, it's something else. Whatever it may be, sit in that with the Lord. Let it go. Let him do a new thing. Let's not wait for January 1 to declare, it's a new year, it's a new me, right? Why not a new you right now as you follow what the Lord is leading? So Father, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you are present and working. We thank you for your priceless love that you don't leave us to ourselves. that purity is possible as we follow your spirit. So Father, I pray that we would not just get right with you, but would follow you in new ways. Father, may this be a new day and represent a new way for my brothers and sisters in this room. And if anyone doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus, I pray today that they'll receive you and the fullness of your priceless love. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Have your way now as we praise and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand as we respond.
have a seat right where you're at because as we've done the last couple of years on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, we have an opportunity as we close services to celebrate in another way, to celebrate in community, children and families that are declaring that they are going to raise their children to know the Lord. Joshua 24, I believe, is where uh, Joshua says this, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, so as we close today, uh, we want to take a moment to just stand with a couple of our families. We have two families in each service. Isn't that great? Can we give them a hand? And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor <laughs> Eleanor in a minute. And uh, as we do this together, I just want to make sure I mention uh, at the very end today, whether you're online or in person, if there's anything that you want to talk about, anything that the Lord's tugging on your heart, do not miss what the Spirit's doing. Okay, even though we're, we're, we're shifting gears for a few minutes, God may have something he is doing in you that you need to still respond to at the end of the service. Amen? All right, Pastor Eleanor. And we're going to um, actually go through and show their slides at the same time. Um, we have two families during the 9 o'clock service, and then we have two during the 11 o'clock service. Oh, he wants Grandma. Grandma, can you come up? I know you're here. Come on up, Grandma. Grandmas are a special part of this. Come on, we got to have Grandma up here. Come on up, Grandma. I knew you were sitting right there because I could see his eyes looking at you. Oh, that makes my Mimi heart very happy. <laughs> oh. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce to you Ryan and Alicia Faison and their daughter, Rain. And then this is Ivy and Nick Mutthart and their, their son, Lincoln. And then in our 11 o'clock service, we have Charlie and Parker Young. Um, their parents are Chris and Vienna Young, so you get to see them. And then we also have Jennifer Musso dedicating her daughter, Selena, at the 11 o'clock service as well. So, and these parents, um, we, we really take this seriously because this is a really important time in their lives. Um, they chose to become parents, and so we wanted to actually talk to them a little bit about what it means to actually commit your children to the Lord and to raise them as the Bible, has te as the Bible teaches us and God has taught us. Um, Deuteronomy 6 is actually one of our verses in um, kind of our core verse in Pathway Kids. Um, you know, train up the child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Write it on the, on the doorways of your homes and, um, and, and teach them as they, when they get up and when they go to bed. And so we had some really great discussions um, as part of the lead up to this service. Um, they actually listened to some discussions, some talks, and they do some homework um, in preparation for this so that they understand what God is asking them to do. Um, they, we, we had some great discussions about just... Um, 
you know, some traditions that you uh, actually make a part of your lives. The, 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 the focus that you put on Jesus Christ as the center of your home. Um, and how do you do that? And why do you do that? Um, and it was kind of eye-opening, right, guys? Um, so, and they, uh, they each chose um, some Bible verses that really embodied their families um, and that they want to continue to teach to their children as they grow up. Um, and they understand that what they're doing is actually committing to raising their children to believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so that when it is their time to make their personal decision of faith and to be baptized themselves, that they'll understand what it is that they're doing and will actually already have been working towards surrendering their, surrendering their lives because they've had such incredible examples in their families and their parents um, and their grandparents. <laughs> so um, I know he's, he's excited. He's tired. He's tired. <laughs> so we're going to go through um, and just um, read. We've got a couple of um, slides that, um, that I'll read through that um, parents, you will just commit to as part of this. And then congregation, you will follow up with agreeing as well. So families, in the presence of your family, friends, and church community, is it your life's desire to become and model a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? It is? Yes. And do you promise that with God's help and guidance, you will undertake to bring these little guys to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and serve him as Lord, making use of all the helps that God has given you in the family and in this church? Answer, we do? Awesome. And church, do you promise before God and one another that with God's help and guidance, you will support these parents with your prayers as they work to fulfill their responsibilities to these kids? And do you promise to assist them by providing encouragement, counsel, and ministries to guide them in the ways of godliness? If you do, answer, we do. Awesome. Well, we are excited um, to present these families to you. We have a, a little uh, table out there. I have a gift for them. And I'd love for you to come by and just express your appreciation and encouragement and support for them um, after Brian uh, prays for them. So thanks so much. Amen. Can we give Pastor Ellen our hand? Thank you. Yay. Can I hold you? And, thank you. Uh, can yeah, I if you're here on site, there's a reception in the cafe for them and... Uh, uh, you know, most of you probably would feel like Little Lincoln right now if you were up here, wouldn't you? I mean, you could just sense. See, it's hard being up here. Lincoln, are you ready to pray, buddy? Yes? Yeah. He spotted the cross a minute ago, and if you missed it, it was a priceless moment. It was really beautiful. Uh, so if you're comfortable, you could stretch out your hands. We're going to pray over both families and over Rain and Lincoln. So, Father, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for the opportunity to stand with these beautiful families that are committing uh, to raising their children to know and to follow you. Father, it is a gift within the church that we're reminded that this isn't a program, it's not even a service, it's community, touched by the presence of God and walking together, discipling and following you. So Father, I thank you for this moment. Father, I pray over Rain that, Lord, she would know you at an early age. Uh, I think her parents chose Philippians 4.13, that she would know you and your strength, 
that your strength would allow her to fulfill the plans that you have for her, that she would know that in every season she can rely on you and your strength. We pray for your blessing over their marriage, over their home, over their raising of rain. And again, we pray that she would come to find you and follow you at an early age. Father, we thank you for Lincoln. We thank you, God, for uh, the energy within him that, Father, uh, as they have committed his life to you, their verse, I believe, was Jeremiah 29, 11, that you know the plans that you have for him, plans to prosper him, to give him a hope and a future. So we declare that over Lincoln. We declare that over their home, their marriage, their family. Father, we thank you for your peace and presence. We ask, Lord, that as they walk with you through every up and down, every twist and turn, that Jesus, you would be so close to these families that they would also bear witness within the church to your goodness and to your light. We thank you for the opportunity today. We thank you for what's ahead, and we will give you all the glory as we follow you, Jesus, together. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 All right, let's give them a hand. And uh, if you're able, you can stand right where you're at. And uh, if you're not able, uh, that's okay. You can stay seated as long as you want. Next service starts at 11. You're willing to, you could stay there for it. Uh, I'm going to pray over you now. And uh, if you're a visitor, welcome. Uh, we'd love for you to come by our welcome center if you're on site. We have a gift. We'd love to welcome you. And uh, in addition, if you're online, let our chat hosts know. They would love to connect with you. Uh, I'm going to pray over us. And then before, before I do that, actually, our tech team today has navigated a tremendous amount of challenges and uh, have done such a great job that many of you didn't even know it. Can we just give them a hand? <clears throat> you thought you woke up and had some challenges? They woke up, and they were here about 6.30, and it has been, there's been a lot of things, and they've just done a fabulous job. Thank you, you guys, for what you do. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you uh, for this opportunity again to be together. May we love you and love all people in our pathway. May your priceless love mean more than ever to us. Help us to be a church that gives up control to follow your spirit and to allow you to have the way. May we be the church you're calling us to be. Bless our week in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church.